0: did you want to start this by the
1: way um like cross-branding yeah it's a little bit for i do enjoy the conversations i'm a big podcast guy i listen to mm-hmm. a lot of podcasts i like um all in there's one called the loony hour patrick Bet david yeah, yeah i listen guy. to a couple joe rogan's here and there uh cool and i just started listening to modern wisdom i okay. forget the guy's name uh-huh. great questions lex freeman there's just a lot of intellectual it's like philosophy almost mm-hmm and it's like it, it just really makes you think.
0: Yeah, and and you get to talk to different people with different points of yeah. views, right? Yeah, different points of views. It's cool. I've seen I've seen it like uh, on LinkedIn and on social media. I've seen some of your clips, like especially the short clips that that, that you post. You yeah, know? those are the ones that, uh, that that pop and and you know they drive traffic. Yeah, but, uh, dude, honestly, it looks good. You you've Thank been you. doing some good work with that. Thank you, man. Thank you. We
1: got a good team over here. So, are we rolling? The real MVP, right? Yeah, there. the real MVP. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, so let's let's get into this. Yeah. LinkedIn's an odd place. No man, I can't stand it. Honestly, yeah. like I used to, I just kind of disconnected from it completely. And you know what? Like sometimes I'll hop on it. First of all, everyone that adds you—I don't know about you—you know—the second you have the title CEO or president, it's a bunch of people trying to sell you. Yeah, that's all it is. You know? Yeah. And it's like I've seen all the pitches. I'm so tired of it. Same. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to buy your Same shit. Thing. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to buy it. So it's kind of discouraged me. I don't use it now. I met someone before that like you know they really really network through it and they've had some decent results. I try to hop on once in a while. I mean, look, this is why we're here right now. Funnily enough, I mean, yeah. one comment to your comment, it's 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 worth like th- that's the thing on LinkedIn. Like
1: I do, like the other day, too, same. I'm the exact same way. It's like I was. I wrote a comment. I actually posted it, and then 30 seconds later, I'm like, you know what? Because like I do get quite a bit of business from LinkedIn, mm-hmm. but I'm still. I'm not going to virtue signal. I'm not going to do that bullshit. Yeah. I'll still be myself. Uh, but one of the comments it was uh, so in Ontario they're making it where. You're not allowed to say if you're an immigrant or something. Anyways, it's it's like so people are like ah, oh, finally immigrants are gonna be able to get jobs properly mm. and stuff like that. But it's like okay, fine, but be careful because the cure might be worse than the disease. You oh, yeah. don't want the government telling you who you're supposed to hire and who you're not supposed to hire. Like that is a slippery motherfucking slope. And Canadians still haven't fucking. They don't. We don't understand this. <laughs> I feel like Adams told me that we're gonna see eye to eye on shit uh-huh. like this. But it's like guys, do you not see where this is going? Like come on
0: let 's be honest, most Canadians dude, chumps, most Canadians they actually. are, and look the thing with Canadians is this right we 're respected all, all around the world, okay, so again I 've been a bunch of places and people love Canadians, but they ask me like oh canada it 's like this, uh, this this heaven for them, this oasis they 've just heard the taglines right, and they asked me, so what 's a typical Canadian to be honest, I have a hard time telling them anything <laughs> i 'm like, well, okay in Quebec there 's a bit of culture granted French Canadian thing yeah. right. Uh-huh. You're, you're French Canadian, I think, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pure Lane. Uh, technically French is my mother tongue, but okay. dude, I, I'm, I'm like, uh, I don't speak it that much anymore, to be okay. honest, you know. Kind of lived all over Canada, okay. a little bit in the U.S. as well, so yeah. lost most of it. Okay. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I struggle to be able to tell them, what is Canadian culture? Like, what is a Canadian? Like, we're nice, okay, sure. What else? We have maple syrup? Nah, that's Quebec. <laughs> to be honest, 80% of the world yep. production is Quebec. So it's like, okay, well, maybe we're too much too open too docile too we bend over for everything Yeah, no culture so it's too bad you know I agree it's a shame but then you go on LinkedIn right and it's like (laughs) I feel like I have to do that because I'm like these people are going to judge you can't just be yourself because half the time you want to comment things and it's like this is really what I think yeah, and I'm sure it's the same with you. Sometimes you draft something and then you're like, yeah, do I really want to post it? And then you kind of censor yourself, right? But that's then you're not being authentic. I try not to do that, to be
1: honest. And sometimes, like, I have in the past posted some stuff. I'll mm-hmm. comment on certain posts that I don't agree with and I'll let them know that I don't agree with it. Yeah. And most of the time, actually, it's, like, people, they'll they'll push back, but I'll just push back again. But okay. It, there's nothing wrong with having civil discourse and it's natural for us to disagree and especially on a platform like LinkedIn there are definitely pros to LinkedIn and like we we're just discussing earlier I've gotten business from LinkedIn uh, I have a brand on LinkedIn like it, it's good and I'm also an insurance like I don't want to I, I always use this example it's like <clears throat> the, the when they asked Michael Jordan or back in the 90s I don't know some stuff was going on with race or I don't remember the exact scenario but They asked him, like, well, are you going to stand up and speak? You know, they're abusing black people. And it was was like a Republican Democrat thing. Mm -hmm. And he goes, he didn't comment. And he says, I sell shoes to Democrats and Republicans, which is from a business standpoint, very smart. Because if he makes a comment and he takes a side, well, he's immediately cutting off 50 percent of the market. So it's like you got to kind of think the same way, too. I would love to be like Elon Musk one day where he just doesn't give a fuck and says whatever the hell he wants to to say whenever he wants to say it. I really admire him for that.
0: But see, that's a good thing. And you know what? That brings me actually to to a whole issue with politicians, right? So this is the problem. They're going to stand to one side during the campaign, right? They're going to polarize and really rile up their base. Then when they win, what happens? They try to unite everyone. So mm-hmm. they dilute their message. And I think that's a problem too in business, right? You want to please everyone. And mm-hmm. there's a really good book that I love. It's called Rework. It's my favorite business Rework. Book. Rework. Okay. It's written by the two uh, co-founders of 37signals. Uh, it's, it's a CRM, right? Now it's called uh, Basecamp, I believe. They rebranded, right? They're actually the first company that Be- Bezos Expeditions ever invested in, right? So Bezos is VC fund. Yep. And these guys decided to write a book and it's a super easy book to read. I mean, it's, it's, it's Google Gaga, stupid. Okay? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's like chapters like, three I like different. those books. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Lots of images, man. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. read, you know? I'm illiterate. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, in there, that's what he says. Like people want to please everyone all the time. And yeah. the problem is you don't build superfans. What you really want is a super fan, someone who will glorify, speak about and promote to hell out of your product because they love it so much. And if it means leaving some people to the side because you just don't fit the bill or you're not exactly their cup of tea, so be it. You're gonna gain more, right, from milking uh, like a cash cow. like a, the, It's like a mine, right? You're gonna gain more from digging really deeply in a very lucrative or rich mine than you will going surface level in a bunch of mines, right? Because you extend yourself, you need resources to go to mine, to mine, to mine, to mine. So it's the same thing with a lot of clientele. Now, again, school of thoughts, right? That's different people think different things. But I tend to like that. I rather polarize and, and cater to a very specific segment. You'd rather take a stance. Take a stance and have people really, really, really like you. Mm. You know, you won't appeal to everyone. But mm-hmm. the people you appeal to will love you and spend so much more on your product or support you. You know, if, it's, if you're a politician, for example, they'll support the hell out of you way more than if you always try to cater for everyone. Because then, look, stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything, right? So what, what, I got a question for you. What yeah. am I supposed to do? So, you know, I have an insurance brokerage mm-hmm.
1: and we're in Montreal, Montreal, especially in the West Island. It's a liberal riding. It's been liberal for, what, 40 years, 30? It's yeah. been a long time. Forever, okay? man. Forever. Forever. Yeah. So uh, and I'm not saying I'm pro-liberal or, pro-liberal or against liberal. I'm, n- I'm not saying that. And I don't like to. I'll never say like what political party I affiliate with. Um, <laughs> If you listen to all my stuff, I think people could guess, but I'll never I'll never actually say it. But so like, you vote wo- for Black Putt, right? That's <laughs> what it is. You know? The Rhino Party? Is that it? But like, what am I supposed to do if, let's say, for example, I disagree with something that the Liberal Party is mm-hmm. doing, and I think there's a lot of Liberals that disagree with the current Liberal Party as well, but what am I supposed to do if I'm in a geographic location where everyone that lives here is Liberal? Should I just shut my mouth? Should I say something? Should I... Like, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean?
0: It's like I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. Leave. <laughs> get the hell out. Leave. You know, That's then I have the to thing. sell the business. I want to oh, keep the yeah, business. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. too. I'd like to keep the business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, can you go practice in, or open a firm in the U.S., for example? I could. There's a lot of hoops that I have to yeah. get through. But
1: I looked at it briefly to get into Florida. And if you employ, I think it's four or five people, mm-hmm. the last time I checked at least, you kind of skip the line. Okay. So if I was to go there with a certain amount of cash, like enough cash where I could hire four or five people right away. Um, or there's another way you basically just partner up with mm-hmm. an American. Yeah. The only thing is you have to trust that person. Yeah. For right. Sure. Which that's another big thing. And like mm-hmm. in any business, you have to trust them. But, uh, I mean, I could do it and that. That's actually something yeah. I would love to do. Go down to Florida. Like
0: is it the E2, or the L1A visa you're looking at? Oh, I have no idea. You have no idea. Cause no we idea. try to bring bizbiz Biz down to uh, the U S right. Over the last two winters, um, yeah. we kind of operated out of the U.S., right? Rented a house on the beach in Siesta yeah. Key. Flew down a bunch of our employees. Great time. I heard Siesta is beautiful. It's the best place in the U.S. Yeah. The best place in the world. Yeah. If you ask me right now, Paradise, where is it? Yeah. You can live anywhere in the world. Siesta Key. Yeah. Way more. I mean, Miami fun if you want to party and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like maybe go on a bender on I wouldn't on the weekend. Want to live there, though. Heck. No, fucking no, no dude. No, I don't want to live there. But I mean, you know, Tampa's pretty good, too. Uh, it's and I had a good time. yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I heard you had a pretty good time, too. Yeah, right? yeah I did. I did. <laughs> Tampa's great. You told me a few a uh, few stories yeah. that go down to, uh, what's it called? Um, Houston, right? The... Uh, th- the street Houston is it? I oh, know Soho. 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 No, it's, Soho. Uh, Soho is the area. I yeah, The, name yeah, of the yeah.
1: street, but there's like Bar Howard and all right that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I love Tampa. Yeah, Tampa's yeah. a nice place.
0: But uh, no, going into uh, into the US, so we tried, and the issue is there's a lot of it depends which avenue you take. The E two is actually I think easier. Yeah, it's yeah. about fifty to a hundred thousand dollar invested. You hire a few people, you get yeah. an E two. The L one A, which we were recommended to go down, requires certain financial metrics in the US, which we didn't hit. So we weren't Metrics as in like minimum revenues and stuff like that? Sales in the U.S., yeah. Sales in the U.S. uh, derived by American entities. So we do have two American entities under BizBiz. So BizBiz Global is Canada. It's kind of like the main company. Then we have an LLC out of Florida, uh, BizBiz Technologies. And then we have a HoldCo out of Delaware. Here, Elliot, before
1: we get into all this, can we back up just a little bit? And can you explain to us like what BizBiz does? (laughs) Sure,
0: sure, sure. Um, okay, the inception of business, I used to live in Alberta. You know, we were talking about Alberta yep. earlier, right? So I was working in the oil fields over there. Again, some controversial thing nowadays, right? You know, petroleum and whatnot. Yep. But while I was over there, um, one day a piece of machinery we were using, a skid sear broke down. Hydraulic system blew up. It's minus 40, tend to happen. And for, I think, three days the work had to stop. We had to wait for a mechanic to come from Fort Mac all the way up to our work site. We were working, you know, in the boonies, right? And during those three days we did sp- Fuck all man we were in the truck driving around doing nothing eating cookies now mind you i love that it was great being paid like you know a good six-figure salary at the time to do nothing but uh, i kept thinking this is inefficient man you know and there's on the work side it was about a hundred contractors and one of them had the exact same piece of machinery as us sitting under a pile of ice and snow doing nothing and i thought why can't we go knock on their door i thought okay so there's the exact same piece of machinery sitting under a pile of ice and snow why can't we go knock on our door and temporarily ask to use it, to rent it? I mean, they're not using it. They're not generating revenue from, you know, a capital exp- or capital investment they have. And us, I mean, we're just doing nothing, you know. So when I came back from, uh, from Alberta at the end of my contract over there, that was around the time the sharing economy was really blowing up, right? Mm-hmm. Airbnb, Uber, Chiro, you name it. It was really kind of scaling up outside of Silicon Valley. And I thought nothing's being done for businesses. Why not try something? So I looked into it and realized there was absolutely nothing. So we launched Share at the time. So we became a B2B asset sharing marketplace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first couple of years we developed our technology in-house, our MVP was completely done, uh, you know, bootstrapped in Montreal uh, by our own developers and our own co-founders. Eventually we launched, started commercializing around the greater Montreal area. And quickly we got, uh, we garnered 4,000 companies in Montreal using our system. So, hey, now it's time to raise some money. Uh, we raised a pre-seed from actually some of our clients invested in us and mm-hmm. a couple low angels. Then after that, kept scaling up, uh, raised a seed round from um, Quebec investors, mostly angel investors, business people, you know, the CEO of a publicly traded company, co-founder of one of Montreal's 10 biggest tech companies, you know, these kinds of people, you know, really got a good cap table going. And eventually the pandemic hit. We were scaling up in Chicago at the time. So we were entering the U.S. market. I remember it was February 2020. I went there meeting a bunch of launch partners, kind of like sealing some deals. And I get back and, you know, you know, the news what it was. You know, it's like the end of the world. Everything's mm. shutting down. So, fucking, okay, what are we going to do? The traffic on our platform went to zero overnight. Mm. Okay. No more revenue. At the time, we had an MRR not far away from 50000 and, and we went down to like near zero. Jeez. So we started thinking, what can we do? What can we do? And at that time we had a few cities that reached out to us and they said, hey, like we heard you guys are the circular economy specialist in, in Canada. Can we use your technology? Because we're thinking outside of the pandemic when it's all done, why can't we have our own ecosystem, our industrial parks, for example, why can't they have their own ecosystem and share their resources between each other, right? Their underused resources, machinery, equipment, heck, office space. So we thought sure we never really considered that and that's when we realized it kind of dawned on us the intellectual property we've been investing millions of dollars in well that could be the product itself we were developing it for our use but why can't we license it so we decided to go that route and we became a b2b technology uh, or b2b marketplace technology service provider a bit went from a Airbnb to a Shopify now we just provide the technology so that's what we do now so we go to Uh, either in multinationals with internal business units uh, cities municipalities government instances and we create white label marketplaces for their ecosystem to transact between each other to give you an idea montreal has one Uh, it was launched two years ago it's called espace Compagnie, and it's specifically done for the commercial real estate downtown so uh, buildings that have commercial real estate that they cannot uh, rent out, they post it on Espaces et And that's chapeauté, uh, like led by the Quebec government, Montreal government, and the um, Montreal Chamber of Commerce as well. We have one in the uh, aerospace industry, several in the um, you know, industrial manufacturing sector. So that's what we specialize in. We just We provide technology for groups to share their assets between each other. And so, but do they have to go
1: like to your platform in order to do this? Or you literally just hand them over the piece of software and then they figure it out amongst themselves? Exactly.
0: So now, so what so we like have. a
1: software developer almost. 100%. Kind
0: of, 100%. It. So we can create a marketplace made to measure from scratch in less than a month. As a matter of fact, it takes us 48 hours. You know, we save a month, but it takes us 48 hours. We're really, really quick with that. Okay. Um, and it can be bespoke. I'm sure it wasn't. 48 hours at the beginning. It's probably, oh, heck no. Yeah. Heck no. You know, at yeah. first it was, it was a clusterfuck if anything, yeah. <laughs> but this our initial platform still operates, but we don't put efforts into it. So there's still companies <laughs> on it. People still pay to use it. There's still transactions happening on it, but it ain't our main revenue driver anymore. We really focus on just selling licenses on our end. It's allowed us as well to scale back a little bit on our sales team. You know, now instead of having, cause I used to have guys on the road. We had like this entire sales operation, inside sales guys, making phone calls. We had guys prospecting data. We had salespeople on the road meeting companies and shaking hands and bringing them like on our business share platform. Come on, come on. Then we'd send in what we called at the time our business whiz, kind of like an asset manager. He would go in, take the inventory of the entire place, upload it, make sure the images are nice. You know, we really took a page from Airbnb. What they used to do back in the day is they used to send a photographer to every listing mm. to make sure the quality was there. Mm-hmm. But that was so capital intensive mm-hmm. so 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 expensive so yeah now we just scale back the uh, the entire team now it's more senior salespeople, more like account executives if you wish right we build relationship sell cycle is a little long still three to six months not too happy but the ticket now is much higher too right so we sell a yearly license fee we charge also for monthly hosting and on the back end we take four percent of every transactions that happen on the platform so, can you just, get, I want to make sure I understand this properly. So, can you give me an example of like the last
1: sale you made? You don't have to name the name if you don't mm-hmm. want to, but like what's the last sale that you made for your product and how are they using it now?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, actually, right here in, uh, in the Techno vi- Park? In uh, Ville Saint Laurent, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, it's the um, uh, Chambre de Commerce. The okay. v- so they purchased a license from, it's not, it's not uh, delivered yet. Right. So contracts been signed, it's been paid. Now we're in the process of developing it for them Got it. and they're going to launch it. So what it's going to do is going to connect all the manufacturing companies from the pack and all the industrial area together. Now the users, so our clients are not the users. Our clients are kind of the, the group that has all these companies underneath, right? Got it. So now the users the will be the businesses will be the businesses underneath them exactly you just have the exactly number. okay got now, it now we don't take care of onboarding them we don't take care of any of the operations we just deliver the technology behind it we take care of technical support but anything that has to do with onboarding people managing it and whatnot that's them it's their platform now you may be why would they do that well aside from you know giving value to their existence because a lot of these groups like it or not they're looking for added value to be yeah. to be given to the members Big time. <laughs> We're not going to hide it. You know, a freaking spaghetti dinner once in a while ain't going to cut it. A lot you know? of times
1: there are a function there and they're, oh, they're completely useless. Yeah, it's probably why our, our sell cycle
0: is slow as well. But, you know, you know, every time you need a board decision for like a $25,000 item, come on. But anyways, yeah. uh, but another thing is they make money from it. So yeah. we charge 4%, but they tack on uh, extra charges as well. So when mm. people use it, they make money. They, so there's an incentive for them Of course. Too, and, oh, got it. Or they sell us like memberships as well. So some of them will be like, you know what? You want to join? It's going to be $50 a month, $100 a month, $1,000 a month. That's up to them. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like this would be a pretty easy sales pitch. It's not a hard pitch. It's just a hard sales cycle, you know, mm-hmm. against the decision makers. You know, first of all, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had to get the approval of a board and probably through, you know, your, your, your career. I haven't. No. I,
1: I, I've, I've tried a couple times to get into a board to yeah. try and um, sell. And, well, let me back up. Mm-hmm. if i'm trying to sell insurance to a company that happens to have a board
0: mm-hmm.
1: i've never gotten anywhere yeah because you're not dealing directly with the decision maker it's with a group of people exactly. they don't like change yada yada yada. there's all these types of things
0: it's a very 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 difficult and pitch. there's always and this is universal i don't I don't know where you are in the world doesn't it matter it's universal there's always that one guy that one fucking asshole in yeah. every board that just wants to disagree with everyone yeah just to feel valued you know yeah. so everyone's like yeah, you know what that's good give us like the metrics, the performance, whatever, some numbers, right? And we'll approve it. And then this one guy's like, yeah, but I don't think this is good. You know, we need to do more of a due diligence. It, there's always this one guy who just wants yeah. to be heard. All right, cool. But that slows everything down. So, yeah, if you can avoid having to sell or to convince a board of anything, by all means. Man. Oh, I
1: definitely prefer just it, it's it's <laughs> the sale. It's a lot quicker if you're dealing with one person. Mm. If you're going to go deal with a decision maker like a CEO or the president, they make yeah. the decision. The sales cycle is going to be.
0: But you, you and commercial uh, insurance, right? Yes. Do you normally just deal directly with an executive or like a c level executive, or it's almost
1: always with the owner, the owner, right, eh? but yeah. also too, like we're not dealing with multinational companies, we're not dealing with big big, big publicly traded companies or anything mm-hmm. like that. We're small and medium sized businesses, so the biggest business we would insure probably about like a hundred employees okay that's like a big business for us. Mm-hmm uh 50 million would be like a pretty big business for us to insure but even at 50 million most of the time you're still dealing with the 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 president yeah and chances are that guy was probably the founder or his father or mother was the founder as well like they're still very
0: hands-on how do you find a demographic right now you know do you find that the decision makers are more of the boomer generation is it shifting more towards millennials it's definitely starting to shift no yeah. no it's definitely shifting
1: oh. i wouldn't say millennials yet it's like what's in between boomers and millennials x yeah, the gen, x, when, yeah. gen x gen x like yeah. i'd say most of the time it's actually gen x okay. a couple of millennials as well i'm 34 how old are you i uh, 32 yeah you're 32 so yeah. we're millennials i I love dealing with millennials. Gen Mm -hmm. X are fine too. I like dealing with them as well. Because they kind of like it because they're only most of the time like 10, 15 years older than you. Yeah. And we're hitting our stride now. You know, 35 (laughs) people. No, but like when you're... Really? I feel old, dude. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like when you're 26, 27, trying to work in sales, like people still, they don't really take you seriously yet. You've been in the industry for two, three, maybe four years. Yeah. You're comfortable, but you're still not mature yet. Right, yeah. And like we're in our 30s. I'm turning 35 next month. So it's like I'm at an age now where. These guys take me seriously. I have mm-hmm. a business. I have 30 employees. Like, they, they take me seriously. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. So, second, like, I'm sure it's the same thing for you. So, that, that helps a lot, too. But these guys uh, 10 years ago did not take me seriously. No,
0: but you, you know, you got to pay your dues. And, you know, of course, yeah. Did, did you play I, hockey a, too? I did, yeah. You did, yeah. So, so you know yeah. what it is. You yeah. know, you, you get into a team, especially around junior hockey, you're 16 years old, you're a rookie. You know what yeah. I mean? You got to pay your dues, man. Yeah, you yeah. got to eat shit for a bit. There's <laughs> always that one guy on the, on the team that's
1: uh, picking on you or something. Oh It's, hell it's yeah. always like a friendly pick on there or something. Yeah,
0: but it's, it's good. We want to make sure
1: you're up to, you know, yeah. up to the task. See what this guy's made of. Yeah, well, there you go. Right? I used to have this one guy on my uh, high school hockey team. He would pick on me so much, man. But like, it was... Sometimes there's like they'll pick on you and the guy's a bully. Yeah. This guy would pick on me because he liked me. Mm-hmm. But when push came to shove, he was a year older than me. And when push came to shove on the ice, if something happened, he always had my back. Always. So it's like, but he's the first guy. It's kind of like older brother, little, little brother yeah, syndrome. Yeah, yeah. It's but like, that's I'm lucky. the only guy who can pick on my
0: little brother. No one else is exactly. kind of the same thing. But that's 100% hockey, right? You know, yes, we're going yes. to tease the, those rookies or the young guys, yeah. right? But on the ice, it's your brother, man. Yeah, yeah. Of you know, Don't fuck with him. Yeah. Yeah, Did you play so. with Strumy? Um, I played against him. Okay. I played against him. We used to kick his ass all the time. He's not gonna <laughs> like. He played for Derive, if I remember. You know, like like minor, like very, very minor hockey. So he was yeah. Derive. We were Lakeshore. Lakeshore we were number one all the okay, time. West Island was pretty good. West Island was, I was pretty good. Island, you yeah. were West Island, so you guys, Island. Yeah. you guys were good too. You guys were good. I mean they were good. They were good as well. Yeah. But we used to kick their butt. Um, but then after that, he he went up to like triple uh, A midget, I believe. And yep. then, I played against him, I think, in junior, uh, junior A. I was playing for the Gloucester Rangers, and he okay. was uh, for the Brockville Braves. Yep. So yeah, yeah. We, we kind of uh. Faced and then he went there. to Concordia. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I always say, what could have been? Uh, he he knows this too. Had he taken it more seriously and taken his training regimen more seriously, I mean, he was still a good hockey player. Mm-hmm. He would have been a really good hockey
0: player, I think, if he took his training regimen more seriously when he was younger. He was good. But the thing is this, man. When you're young, you don't realize it. Yeah. Like, the amount of like opportunities, I don't know about you, but I've definitely squandered just being young and dumb, You know? yeah, yeah, not realizing it. It's like, it's like I just for, wanted to party and like yeah, and talk sure. to chicks. That's oh, all 100.
1: I wanted to do. When I was, when I was 17, I remember once, I was, I was a member at the golf course when I was 16, yeah. and when I turned 17, my dad's like, okay, so you're joining the golf course this year? I'm like, nah. He's like, why not? I go. I just want to party and hang out with girls. Uh, <laughs> like, it's like, all right, have fun.
0: <laughs> like, uh, you you got to do it, man. You got yeah. to get. You got to get off. You got to get it out of your system the first time, you know, or at least when you're young. Yeah, but it's like investing. You know, I look today, right? I'm like, fuck. Why didn't I start investing at 18? I'd be like way ahead, you know. But yeah, yeah it's something again. You're but young. At the same time, you're going to make more money in your business right now than you will like sure. in, in the stock market. Like if of you have hundred grand,
1: two hundred grand, three hundred grand, four, whatever, even like up to five hundred grand in the stock market, or you have a business like yourself that pops off. You're gonna make way more money in that than for sure. Like in the grand scheme
0: of things, five hundred grand is not a lot of money. It's not, mean? but given the proper horizon, it becomes. I mean, look, listen. Yes, any money invested in the broad market, take the S and P for example, yeah. right, will double every eight years. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. like that five hundred thousand, yeah, and that becomes you know a million and eight, and then two million in in uh, yeah. sixteen, and then after that, you know, that's yeah. four million and twenty four. you want to hear
1: another stat I heard the other day actually. Uh-huh. So for that, you're you're right with the S and P; it's going to double roughly every uh, every uh, eight years. Mm-hmm. The money supply, so basically like the value of your money, is going to lose. You're going to lose it by double every twelve to thirteen years. So it's actually the stock market because you know the printing money and yeah. all this kind of uh, stuff yeah. and everything. So every every so if you have a million dollars in 13 years, your million
0: dollars is now going to be worth technically 500,000. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm reading a book right now. Really, really like it. it's called The Millionaire Next Door. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend, right? And in there, all the figures are 1995 figures. It's actually the largest study of American wealth ever conducted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the first thing I did is I looked, okay, $1995, what is it equal to today, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's more than doubled, right? So if they mm-hmm. say, like, this person's worth a million, well, you can consider it's more than two it's it's wild man you know and this is why cryptocurrency is a good thing love it i i don't know too much about crypto but here elliot i want to back
1: up just a little bit so basically so we talked about the business Mm -hmm. how you got started uh pre-seed seed seed seed, um seed run not the seed run seed round yeah seed round thank you and then
0: we were on the topic of covid and you guys being in chicago yeah, uh, Let's go w- from there. Well, I mean, so I, I think I mentioned that we we pivoted, right, towards becoming more of a um marketplace provider, yes. right? Yes. So um during that time as well, we decided to go remote. So we decided, you know, we're gonna close the office. We're paying at the time of roughly maybe six, 000, seven thousand dollars a month. We're like, you know, it's nice. It was it was a decent place, about five thousand square feet, had a blast. You know, threw a couple of parties there. Uh, but, you know, we decided, screw it. We're going to go remote. At that time, anyways, we had staff a little bit all over the world. We had guys in Egypt, uh, in the U.S., in Brazil. Um, and as for me, I wanted to start traveling a little bit. So I just said, we're going to ro- work remotely, see how it goes. And it's been the staple now ever since. It's been, yeah, three years we've been doing that. Got it.
1: Mm-hmm. And so right now... Are most of your clients in Canada or in the U.S.?
0: Most in Canada. Most so in Canada. Yeah, so we do have a few accounts in the U.S., mostly in Canada still. Uh, we're looking at Europe as well a little bit. It's a different ballgame over there, though. Yeah, it's just in a, what sense? The way business is done is just different. So first of all, okay. For the better or for the worse? Oh, for the worse. <laughs> <laughs> for the worse, man. There's nothing that beats the U.S. And honestly, you realize that real quick. So first yeah. of all, trying to start a business, and I'm sure you have plenty of experience with that here in Quebec, it's honestly the death valley here, okay? People yeah. are risk averse like there's no tomorrow I'm trying to raise capital in quebec the end of the world i mean we have from like angel investors and it was the hardest thing i think i must have pitched like honestly and if i looked at my calendar i must have had upwards of a hundred meetings with investors wow. just to close one you know and the wow. amount of time i was told no here's a funny anecdote right i remember the first pitch i ever went to i went to place C Q C D, it's downtown it's where pretty much like all the all the VC funds in Quebec are all hosted in the same building. It's kind of funny because you keep going back there, you're like oh, I'm here again, you know. And I, I have an issue with VCs. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of their business model and how they operate. But regardless, sometimes you need them, right? So I go there I meet with them. We do the pitch, and at the end, he's like, "Okay, so how much are you guys looking to raise?" And I, to be honest with you, at the time, I don't quite remember. Let's say it was a million dollar, right? So he's like, okay, but what if you get only uh, 750000 He asked you that yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, He's like, are you going to survive? Like, are you going to make do with it? I'm like, well, yeah, of course. We'll find a way to do something with it. He's like, good. So don't ever tell me you just need a million. Give me a range. You need between three quarters of a million and 1.5 million. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm taking notes, right? It's my first pitch ever. I'm yeah, freaking yeah. like shaking at Denise at that point, freaking sweating. Get back to the was office. Was he trying to big dog you? Probably, man. Yeah. Nothing beats, by the way. We pitched an, uh, an investment banks, bank, IB, in Toronto at one point. We are trying to raise $2 million. At that. Actually, at that stage, I remember it was $2 million out of a valuation, I believe, of eight. And uh, we went to Haywood Capital. And this guy, so I'm there with my entire executive team. I have my chief commercial officer who, by the way, was a senior vice president at Banque Nationale. He's like a big guy. You know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. seen, he's seen his fair share. I have my CTO with me, got myself. We're sitting at a table. The guy comes in must have been like twenty two years old, kicks his legs on the table, looks at us like, all right, cool, what do you guys really want? And the whole time, it was this ego shit. And we kept looking at him like, dude, you little snot eater, man. Like, don't don't try to pull that shit on us. Anyways, that was the worst pitch from my life. He railed us so hard, kicked us out of his office. All right, whatever, it happens. But going back to that investor, right, first time I do a pitch tells me, give me a range of how much you want, because let's be honest, you'll make do with less, you'll make do with more. Okay, cool. Go back to the office, recraft the pitch. The next week I have another VC, go to them. Then he asked me, what's the, what's the ask? Well, I'm looking between now, uh, you know, 750 and $1.1 $1. $1 million. And he's like, okay, so you don't know why, you don't know what you need the money for then. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, why do you have a range? Why don't you know exactly to the penny why you need the money? I was like, and this is when I realized they yeah, don't yeah. freaking know what they no, want. They're no. all different. You there's know? no playbook. Oh God, there isn't, man, yeah, there's there no isn't. playbook. And we ended up raising money from a VC, mostly a fund out of uh, Texas, out of Houston, right? Because we tried. So all the investors we have in Quebec are angels. They're individual entrepreneurs, oftentimes with a pretty marked risk appetite, all self-made men. You know what I mean? But the VC funds here, God, scared, man. They're scared. You know, they're not going to take risks. And they admitted themselves. They're like, yeah, we're rather come at a later But that's what day. a VC is. They're supposed to. A VC there to take risk. It's Quebec, man. They wonder, like,
1: VCs, like the business model of a VC is for you to invest in 20 companies and one of them's gonna hit. That's the business model. That is, That's like literally the business model. But
0: what they want is they want a six, 7% return, that's it. And then you cross the border. Well, which is ridiculous because a a
1: six or 7% return, just take your fucking money and put in the stock market. I mean, there's no point then. Like it's the point of a VC is to make more than the the, uh, risk-free rate of return. If the risk-free rate of return in the market is 6% or 9% or whatever it is, and for those of you listening, that's basically like a bond. So today, I think you can get a bond, a treasury for like five or six percent. Well, depend on
0: the on, on the length. Well, let's of just it, call, let's call it six percent or something. Yeah, yeah,
1: So it's like, well, if that's risk free mm-hmm. at six percent, well, VC is going to want to make at least triple that. Oh, sure, for sure, for sure. Anyways, but continue. Yeah, go
0: on. And yeah, so that's again, that's that's why we're poor in Quebec, right? We just don't understand. This is go spare to spare. You know, I think we think don't? there's other reasons too. But yeah. Yeah, anyways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of reasons. We're not going to be able to name them all today. No, <laughs> but we went to the U.S. and it's a completely different ball game yeah. over there. These guys, they're willing. They're willing to make deals. Like they're, they want to put money to work. They yeah. want to put money to work. They mm. want to take risks. Mm. They want to make sure they can count on you. So, they're, so here's the thing: they'll give you a chance. And that's the one thing an American told me. It was like, in America, we'll give you a chance. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. You get one chance with us, but we'll take a risk. We'll take a shot on you. Huh. So, and that's what we did. So we closed. Why do you
1: think they're like that? Do you think it's just because their mentality? Do you think it's their, their culture? Do you think it's because there's a lot more money in the system? Like they are on paper, obviously a lot richer than us. They can afford
0: mm-hmm. to lose more. Why do you think they're more entrepreneurial than Canadians? It's it's a culture thing. I mean, if you look at the economy, it's the same thing, right? So Canada, I saw an interesting stat the other day. we we produce about, I believe, 20 to 30% less value per hour work yeah, in Canada right? that, yeah. than in the US. Yeah. It wasn't always this bad, but, no. but continue. You're right. But n- yeah. and recently, it's been like that, yes, right? It's been terrible. Yeah. I mean, look, in Canada, what do we like to put our money in? Uh, real estate, <laughs> real estate, <laughs> <laughs> real which estate. is a
1: non-productive asset. Exactly, it doesn't produce anything. It produces fuck
0: all. Yeah, right? and don't get me wrong, yeah. I own a building too. Like I love real estate, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, which you, by the way, insure. Thank you very much for that. Okay. You know? <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. <laughs> but it's <'cause>, KBD insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a plug, you know. I want a royalty <laughs> check, but uh, jokes aside, it's um. It's a non-productive asset, exactly. Yeah. In the U.S., they're much more likely to invest in capex and machinery in, in making sure their their staff produces. But the thing is, this too, there's a risk associated with it. Of Any course, business yeah, can fail. Course, yeah. Real estate is is a fairly risk-free. Don't get me wrong. Ups and downs, right? Depending on the market. To Alberta has more swings than say, you know, Toronto. But regardless, uh, the U.S. is just a culture thing. These guys, the American dream is a real thing, mm. you know, and they're sold on the American dream. They believe that there is class mobility, which there is. Mm-hmm. You know, to this day, the U.S. is still the best country in the world to make money. If you come from nothing and you want to make money, the U.S. is still number one. I think people in um, the Middle East, certain parts of the Middle
1: East would debate you on that today. Not 10 years ago, but today, like um, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Mm-hmm. There's a couple places. I'm forgetting the city off the top of my head. But I follow the guys on the All In podcast and Jay Kalikanakis. I can never pronounce his last name. But uh, the guy there, so he was in the Middle East for 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. He's a VC guy out of Silicon Valley, and he was talking about he's like, dude, this place here, I think he was, I think he was in Saudi. anyways, one of the rich countries in the Middle East, and he's like, this place is popping off." And like there's tons of money. and everyone, to the point you just made a little bit earlier, Europe is they have the same issue of bureaucracy and too much regulation, yeah. um, as we have here in Canada today. And a lot of the Europeans, because it's pretty close for them to go to Saudi Arabia, they're just flying to Saudi Arabia and they're having their startups there. That's where, they're, and that's where all sense. the money is. It makes
0: sense. Yeah. and, and I They're do- like, I don't want
1: to deal with all this fucking regulatory yeah. bullshit. It's like if they're there, like the, the guy was – Jay was giving an example and he said sometimes – the product I forgot what the product was but it was going to take anywhere from a year and a half to two and a half years just to like start the company bring it to market whereas in Saudi Arabia it was going to be somewhere like six months yeah, that's amazing with more capital available well where, where's the, where are they going to go they're going to go to Saudi
0: Arabia and that's the thing money moves right there's yes. no border for money that's yes. what people don't realize right yeah. like the whole tax the rich right like they're just going to take the money elsewhere dude. yeah like it's 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 silly but it's true the Middle East a great place it's yeah. really popping yeah uh, but back
1: to the US you were saying yeah. it's like the be- I, I would agree with you that with, with that statement mm-hmm. it's the best place in the world if you want to make money I, I would agree with you there especially
0: if you want to start from low from yeah. from from the bottom there's good class mobility still mm-hmm. over there right now don't get me wrong the us has plenty of problems too of right? course yeah, it's, of it's course. not a perfect country but yeah. their economy is still the biggest in the world yeah. right and people are hustlers over there so yeah. if, if you're willing to hustle and to really like take some risk there's a good chance you'll make it no guarantees but still so we raise money from vcs over there in the us and it was. You know, night and day the it's difference easier easier it was straight to the point um no like for example one thing that makes me laugh is forecasts okay yeah. Be- t- between you and i especially look we're a startup like it or not yeah, right yeah. I, I i'll jerk off a fucking for- forecast on do You know true. what i mean it's i don't budget it's a i can budget next year that's fine no problem i'll budget next year but giving you a three or five year god forbid three years already but a five year forecast Same. dude i don't even know what's going to happen in six months and yeah. this is me being brutally honest right The amount of times with BizBiz, we were on our last dime, okay? I'm like, shit, I got enough cash on hand for 30 days. This has happened more than once, all right? Our employees don't know that. But, yeah, this (laughs) has happened more than once. We've always found a way forward, and that's fine, especially during, like, the growth phase, the early stage, right? But, you know, I have an investor here saying, okay, how are you going to spend money in three years? I don't know. Dude, we're going to have probably to pivot three times, right? Do we have product market fit to begin with? That's another big question. Anyway, so do you guys understand that? There's like, here's capital, right? Tell us why you think it's going to work. And over there, they'll tell you too. They invest on the entrepreneur way more than the business model. I was just about to ask you that oh, question, yeah. but go ahead. It's on, yeah. it's on, it's They're on the They're investing in you. The team, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 the team, big time. So it, they'll grill you way more. They'll really dive into your life and like, why you, you know? Why do you think you can make it? You know, who are you, are you? What are you made of? And then they'll invest on that because the reality is this. you yeah, want to make sure
1: you're not like a little bitch.
0: Well, it's a bit like it goes <laughs> back to the hockey thing, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you well, get
1: It's like that. Or is this guy just going to take our money go party in Mexico and spend their money? Like the Guys have done that, it, too. It's crazy, but you yeah. could. And, yeah, yeah. you know,
0: I had this thought the other, well, not the other day, but a few years ago, right? So we had just closed around. Look at a bank account. There's a lot of money in there. And I'm like, what's stopping me from like taking all this and just like buying again Bitcoin or like Expense. going to Yeah, yeah or like yeah. you know, going to a casino yeah, with yeah. it or like taking a trip. Yep. You know, it's it's really they write you a check in blank and they trust that you'll do the right thing. Now there's oversight, don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know, yeah. lots of meetings and they put someone on the board. Um, you know, there's there's reporting I have to do to them, but or for them. But, I mean, the reality is ultimately I have planetary power to disperse the money as I see fit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you're right. If you put the money in the wrong guy's hands, do will blow it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Mark Cuban was saying that on
1: Shark Tank, one of his Shark Tank investments, it was a pretty small investment for for his standards. I think it was like 700K or something. And he was watching the guy. So he would always seeing him on, on Instagram. He'd be in, like, Mexico. He'd be in Dubai. He'd be in Florida. And he was always partying and he bottles all around him and all that stuff. And so – um He called him. He's like, what the hell are you doing, man? He's like, ah, it's business development. It wasn't business development. And the money was all gone in like six months. Of course. She basically stole the money from our Cuban. And there's not really that much you can do about it. So it's like, because they're
0: all business expenses. The product could sell in those locations. It's not like he embezzled the funds. He just improperly spend or you spend them in a reckless matter but it's not yes. embezzlement you know if you yes. took the money and bought himself a freaking house eh, that's another story you know what i mean you can do a
1: lot of business expenses uh, oh, yeah. with, uh, <laughs> I mean, with funds can. like that so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man you can be creative real creative if <laughs> and if you have the right accountant too yeah yeah, yeah smooth the sky's the limit oh yeah <laughs> uh, by the way who's your accountant <laughs> <laughs> we
1: have a pretty reputable um, yeah they yeah. don't fuck around we're with ey
0: yeah, no, seriously, and that's yeah. the thing. I was actually on the phone with our accountant on the way here because we're applying. Uh, it's our first year applying for CIDA. It's uh, Crédit de Développement de Commerce Électronique, and um, God, man, it's like accountants most of the time. You know, if you've ever, you've clearly dealt with them, but you know, if they've never dealt with it, they will. They're not like entrepreneurs. They're not like business. They're risk averse. Right? They're risk averse, right? Yeah, like you, for example, you realize not everything is black and white. Not everything Correct. is a number on a spreadsheet, right? Correct. But them, it is. Yes. You know, if yep. one plus one equals two, it's fine. If it doesn't, you know, in yeah, business, okay. like one plus one doesn't always equal two. Man. Yeah. Sometimes it's just going to make they also it. Also,
1: e- don't want to be liable though. Like I kind of get there. It's like the yeah. same thing as a lawyer too. Like if you ask a lawyer, like, "Hey, do you think I should do this?" If it's a gray like, hey, area, like, hey, they're always going to err on the side of caution, yes. of course, because they're a yes. lawyer. Well, it depends and as well.
0: If it's an audit. And they stamp it. Yes, of course. Yes. But like for us, for example, it's just like filing CD, uh, uh, right? The worst that happens, the government comes back, says, okay, you weren't entitled to as much as we gave you, right? Or yeah. like, oh, you you misfiled something. Fine. Pay it back and or amend it. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, no, if, of course, if it's, if it's an audit, I get it, you know? Yeah. Or, or like notaries. Notaries are liable for their work, you know? Yeah. For example, they don't uh, they do not do the title search properly, right? They sell you like a, a, a title that ain't clean or ain't free. They're liable for that big time lawyers it's a bit different though i eh? because it's a uh it's a guarantee of 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 trying right they, they can't guarantee the result they take you like they represent you in court they'll try their best but they can't be like hey we'll get you off scot-free
1: i wish yeah like there, there's this one time for one of my buddies he's a little bit older and he asked he asked his lawyer the question he's like he had a bunch of money in the u.s and he wanted to bring it back to canada mm-hmm. and the lawyer's like there's a tax lawyer and so he goes um Should I bring this back? Because he didn't want to pay the tax. He's going to to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax to bring back to Canada. He's like, I don't want to pay this fucking tax. And the lawyer goes, Well, you'll probably never be audited and you'll probably get away with it. So he goes, Well, fuck. Okay. Well, what's the downside? He goes, If you do get audited, you'll go to jail. That's tax evasion. So the guy goes, All right. And then the tax lawyer goes, You know, if you're going to cheat, cheat bigger than that. (laughs) Kind of like. (laughs) That's not actually,
0: you know, and funnily enough, okay you know, pick you bagging off this, this point, And it's a good one. Um, being audacious is a good thing, right? Yeah. So like if you're going to be audacious, like go balls to the walls, yes. right? So if you're going to do that, don't
1: cheat a little bit. Cause it's like cheating a little bit or cheating a lot. You're still cheating. So there might you as well go. just go big.
0: Or it reminds me of everything with a bank, right? So like if you owe a hundred thousand dollars to the bank, it's your problem. But if you owe a hundred million dollars, yeah, the yeah, it's, it's, it's their problem. i remember seeing that.
1: Um, so here, Elliot, I want, I want to get mm-hmm. into, because we were talking about this, and I, yeah. I wrote down a bunch of notes, and I yeah. figured this is going to be something that you wanted to kind of talk about today. Mm-hmm. So, so far, you've explained um, the, the, the difference between Quebec trying to raise money for BizBiz biz in comparison to raising money for BizBiz biz in the U.S. So it's a hell of a lot easier to raise money in the U.S. in comparison with, with Canada and we talked a little bit we already touched on this a little bit about the the productivity issue that we have right now in Canada and how it's strangling businesses and i know everyone's just going to think ah oh, strangling businesses you rich fucking businessman you do like pay more tax you don't pay enough tax and all this kind of stuff hold on give me a second if there's no businesses if there's no investment in our country because we're not making the investments ourselves so if it's too regulated for foreign investment to come into our country well we're not investing ourselves foreign investment isn't coming in, what's the next step? Our standard of living drops. And people need to understand that there is no free lunch when it comes to welfare programs or social programs. You got to pay the piper eventually. And people don't seem to understand this. And they just think in their heads, oh, well, tax tax the rich. The rich pay enough tax already in the world uh, in Canada in comparison to other countries. Like They pay, in my opinion, and I know if you ask someone who doesn't have a lot of money, they're going to not agree with this. But they pay already too much. And the point you made earlier, money moves. So if you tax them into oblivion and they can't work, well, they're just going to fucking leave. So let's. I want to I stay on this topic yeah. for a little bit. I want to hear your opinion first on, because, and I want to bring this to light for the people, we do have uh, a problem. And at the end, I want to try and talk about, discuss some potential solutions. Mm-hmm. This is a problem, the, the lack of productivity in Canada. Yeah. And it's going to drop our quality of living.
0: So I'll let you take the uh, take the stage. God, that's a, that's a loaded question because, man, <laughs> I could take this a lot of ways. First, I'll start with a quote from uh, Churchill. I think he's the one who said, you know, you cannot tax a society into wealth. You can't. No. Right? And Canadians need to understand that. Yes. You cannot tax someone into prosperity. It won't happen. Mm-hmm. So other solutions. And by the way, speaking about uh, the tax duration, that that's, it's a mindset thing, right? Mm-hmm. I remember when I started business, I was 23 years old. I didn't have a penny. As a matter of fact, I was indebted, all right? Because I went to Alberta, made a shit ton of money. What did I do as a young guy? Spent it on cars and parties. Fucking oh, yeah, man, I spent it all. And then <laughs> when, you know, when the bank account went to zero, <laughs> yeah. the party had to go on, man. Yeah, so yeah. on the credit cards, <laughs> it went, you know? so are used to the, the, the that standard of living. Oh, God, you know? <laughs> so I remember starting bizbiz Biz, and at first we had no money. I lived off a $1,000 for the first year. Then my salary went to $2,000 for the next two years. That was your salary. My salary, $2,000 a month. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I said, did I say a year? A year. I thought, well, you didn't say I was, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. $2,000 a month. month, Right. It started with a thousand dollars a month and went up to $2,000 a month. I lived off of that, but people don't know that. Right. On top of that. So there's the risk factor, right? All the risk came from the initial entrepreneurs who, you know, started the company. Our first employee, I was paying him considerably more than I was making at the time. And it was okay. It was normal. I needed him. I needed him way more than he needed me, if anything. Right. But again, people don't know that. And then you push it even further. I've had to personally guarantee several loans for the Mm. businesses, right?
1: I just had to do the same thing. I just had to make um, for over a million million and a half dollars a personal loan. So it's like, I know what you're... There you go, right?
0: So, I mean, and this is a startup. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. Right? And like I said, there's been days where we were 30 days of cash on hand left. I'm like, shit, if we go to zero, that loan now is coming from me. Yep. So... A lot of people don't realize that if there's success, and it's an if, because it's a survivor bias thing. You see the people that have success, you don't realize that there's a hundred more that failed and are broke now because of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just taxing the rich more is a stupid idea. Now, what can be done <sighs> in Canada? That's gonna be that's gonna be hard. But number one is realizing that one, uh, without investment from other countries, we won't ever be able to start producing more, and we need to produce. We need to – it's like any, any country needs to have an output in life. You need it's to like, make stuff. You need to make stuff. Look, yes. it's, it's like yourself as an individual. If you don't produce yes. value, you're not going to make money. Yes, you know, and I just
1: want to add to that, but you, uh, mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt. No, go but ahead. It's like you – people think that the economy runs 100% on consumption, and it's true. A big part of the economy of GDP is consumption, mm-hmm. but that doesn't add anything – Like, you need to make stuff. What was the saying that Elon Musk said on Joe Rogan? He goes, everyone thinks there's just this horn of plenty. It's like you need to actually make shit for an economy to work. But I'll let you take it from that.
0: But even worse than that, right now, the only reason our GDP number looks good in Canada is through, you know, artificially inflating it through immigration. Immigration, You know, you look on a per capita basis, we're not doing too good. Terrible. And we're actually slated now. There's uh, economists coming out saying Canada could be one of the, you know, only g7 country with standards of living are going to mm-hmm. drop with time not yeah. go up yes and that's scary everyone should be scared shitless of that no one know? knows no one talks about it no but of course not right no now we're talking about, about housing crisis sure there is one yes. right but there's one again tied to what where do people put their money real in estate the, in real estate again, yeah. i just bought a property right and let me tell you the i i approached it as a business because it, it's 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 an income generating property right mm-hmm. so look at the numbers gross rent multiple right cap rate cash on cash it needed to make sense. And mm-hmm. I realized it nearly never makes sense here anymore because mm-hmm. you have the, call it unsophisticated investor, right, the small guy who's like, I'm gonna go on appreciation only. I'll overpay, but it's gonna go up anyways. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a silly way. So we started looking actually at commercial deals, right? we're not talking like commercial real estate per se, but just commercial, like more than five units kind of deal, right? So we're looking at a building with 19 units and all of a sudden it's a different ballgame. It's a business. You know, you receive the metrics, you look at the cash, uh, cash flow of the business, you look at the expenses, and your offer is made purely on the financials. It's on the math, yeah. It's on the math, right? So you look at gross rent multiples of like, you know, seven or eight compared to here in Montreal and residential, right? Duplex, triplex, quadplex. We're talking 16, 17, 18 gross rent multiple. It's like, wow, what a difference. Now, obviously those deals are bigger deals. You need to be able to provide more uh, of a down payment. Oftentimes, by the way, if you want a loan, it's going to be a 25% down, not even a Mm -hmm. 20, if you want a commercial uh, mortgage. But still, what a difference. So... Going back to solution, one, Canadians have to realize they have to produce something, right? We have to produce something that the world wants. And this is a shame. I was having a discussion with my brother about that. I honestly strongly believe Canada could be the wealthiest country in the world.
1: I agree. We have a lot of natural resources. We have a lot of land. We have a lot of water. We have a lot of oil. We have, we have, everything. We have so much stuff here, yeah. and we refuse to use it. And it's so frustrating,
0: so fucking frustrating, man. It is. It is. Because... I spent a lot of time in Nordic countries, right? Yep. In Scandinavia, Norway is, is an outlier, right? It was a country that a hundred years ago was nothing. They were broke compared to like Sweden and Denmark. But they have money because they have oil. But they found oil yeah. and they decided to exploit it. People and, don't realize this. and they it's like, that's why they're it. rich. And they're so rich. Yeah. They have one of the biggest sovereign wealth fund ever, right? Yes. They have a budget surplus. The yes. quality of life over there is insane. Yeah. And Norwegians now are freaking rich. Yeah, And I look at Canada, natural gas, minerals, lumber, water, yeah. right, electricity, uranium. We produce most uranium in the world almost, right? Then fisheries, uh, livestock, agriculture. Then on top of that, we have IT sectors, financial sectors out of Toronto, a little bit of Montreal. Uh, I said petroleum as well. You know, out west, land. Dude, we have so much. We could be so wealthy. Yep. Way more land than Norway, way more of a population and a skilled population on top of that. Yep. We decided to do nothing with it. Building a pipeline and in the world drilling for shell gas and in the world, you know, green, 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 cool green. But again, where does the money, I mean, the green fund, that's another joke, you know, but regardless, green is not going to save you if you're broke, all right? The planet ain't going to do, it's like, look, if you're rich, you have a lot more money to put to, towards charity or towards helping people, right? If you have a lot of money, you can use that money and spend it on the projects you like. But Canada, we're out of money, right? We're completely out of money. And that's that's one thing too that,
1: so people... And it's happening right now with the carbon tax. People care about the environment until it starts to affect their pockets. Yeah, And then all of a sudden, they don't really care about it because they can't heat their house. Yeah. So if you ask these people, it's like, okay, well, would you rather... And first of all, the carbon tax hasn't even done anything to reduce CO2 emissions. That's the other biggest joke. It's the biggest, like, oh my God, it's the biggest joke ever by a government going, oh, we need to tax you more in order to fight climate change. Yeah. And they haven't done a damn thing And fine, you know change.
0: what? Show me where the money is going to go. How are you going to use the money? Quebec has had a carbon tax now for way longer than Canada, right? Yes. And it was supposed to be put in the fond vile, the green fund, yep. right? Which one has never been audited and two has been completely shady. Nobody knows what that money is for. <laughs> okay, cool. Tell me how you're going to spend the money, right? What was it? Was it Elon with... Um, I think at one point he was like, you know, if you I can solve uh, like poverty or world hunger, you know, in, in a heartbeat. And then the guy was like, no, you can't. Like, yeah, well, look, I'll give you this much money. Yeah. yeah right? the guy
1: say, uh, I think it was like uh, I think it was like five billion dollars yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. He goes, if we took five billion dollars from Elon Musk, it would solve world hunger. And Elon Musk clapped back at him on Twitter and said, if you explain and describe like point by point right here on this forum, how that's going to. Mm-hmm. Um, obliterate world hunger, I will give you $5 billion right yeah. now. Yeah. And obviously the guy didn't respond because it's yeah. not that simple.
0: It's not, yeah. So, No, no, for sure. But, and going back to Canada, what's the solution for economy? Well, you know, first of all, again, we need to start producing more. How do we do that? We have, the low hanging fruit is our natural resources. And it can be done, by the way, in a very sustainable way. And that's the one thing that blew my mind. When I was in Alberta, I had the typical Canadian ideology that oil sands, destroy the landscape. Mm. And I remember driving through this lush forest and I was with a bunch of old timers, right? These guys have been doing this forever. And they're like, "You know this used to be an oil site, uh, an oil sand site." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, this used to be completely like being it's export- barren with barren, yeah. nothing. And we did what we call land reclamation. It's mandatory by law, by the way. Every freaking site has to be land reclaimed. Can you tell there was an oil sand site here?" I'm like, "Not at all." I was like, "Well, there you go." the media never talks about that i didn't know that either yeah and now i've seen that with my eyes i'm like shit let's exploit so them.
1: after they're done extracting the oil they yeah. have to replant the trees the so trees. the government will make the
0: oil company i guess like they have to absolutely mm-hmm. on their dime I oh yes assume. oh yeah. yes and only that so all the so oil sands is a little bit different than drilling right so all that earth that they move they have to put it back and then they have to put the trees back on it and they have the entire program and you know what these companies do have a lot of money. and still profitable for them. You know, yeah. if we just allowed them and we took obviously some a cut out of it, but to actually exploit our resources properly and, you know, without too many kickbacks left and right to the, to, you know, some shady pockets, we'd be fine. <sighs> but again,
1: do, we, do you know, here, I have a, I have a question yeah. for you. You probably know the answer. Do you know um, which province Alberta sells the most oil to?
0: um so we export we export oil but i have no idea to be honest with you
1: it was a trick question yeah. we own alberta only sells oil to the united states there you go so we export it yeah how crazy is that it's wildlife. we don't like there are provinces that mm-hmm. it's people think like well like, yeah we shouldn't be consuming oil in canada well newsflash we do we use oil Oil's not mm-hmm. going anywhere and it's just going to increase the demand for oil internationally mm-hmm. it's just going to keep increasing yeah And people think in Canada, like, we're only responsible for, I think it's 2% of the CO2 emissions that go into the world. India doesn't care. China doesn't care. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say they don't care. They're doing things to make it more efficient. But at the end of the day, we're going to consume this energy. That's what's going to happen.
0: And that's a good point. You know, if the biggest culprits of, call it, emission, right, were to come to the table and actually put in place a, a... a standard practice that everyone abides to? Sure, by all means. Which they won't. Which they won't for (laughs) very obvious reasons. For them, it's a a competition. It's competitive. How can we derive or how can we suck as much value and wealth away from these countries back to us? That also leads me to, you know, without entering conspiracy theory level stuff here, but, you know, the the, the whole uh, electric vehicle push, right? Electric vehicles require a lot of rare earth metals, you know, and those rare earth metals come mostly from China. They're the biggest provider of them. You know, if I was the... you know they
1: just just found, well, this is what they're claiming Mm -hmm. in, I want to say South Dakota, somewhere near South... No, Nevada, and I forget the area in the US, but Mm -hmm. they found estimated to be $1.5 trillion worth of lithium. Yeah, 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 they found a lot. And the guy was saying which would make them the biggest lithium... Um, exporter in the world if, if there's that much lithium right. in the ground. Right, right, right. Well, and that Th- This is great news for the U.S. Big time, so now, yeah. but it's funny because, so here's the other point I was just mm-hmm. about to make. The U.S., they're the big kid on the block. China's coming up. But they understand, and even though the media might go green, 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 the powers that be, the people that actually run the country understand that they need to be self-sufficient when it. they need to be energy independent. They understand this. Mm-hmm. Because they have to compete with other countries, and if we're reliant on lithium for batteries or whatever it may be, and China has all the lithium, well, that's not a good thing. Because if China all of a sudden one one day goes, oh, we don't want to sell you any lithium, or we don't want to sell you this, we don't want to sell you that, well, the U.S. is fucked. We don't want to sell you any more chips because we're in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Well, what's happening right now? The U.S., they're reshoring everything. They're reshoring the chips. They're reshoring, like, all the mining. They're energy-independent when it comes to natural gas, shale, all these types of things. They're doing it under the radar, but everyone kind of knows. Yeah. And they're just kind of presenting it as, look, we need to be energy independent. This is what we need to do. I don't understand why the leadership in Canada isn't doing the same thing. And this this narrative of taking this climate change and saying You're, we're all going to die unless you listen to us and just shoving it down our throat, it's not working. And a lot of people don't agree with it, but don't speak up. And that's a common characteristic for canadians we need to speak up more for these types of things because it's it's like look i'm all for extracting energy in an efficient way and to have the the least amount of co2 emissions that go into the air i'm all for that i'm all for green energy i'm all for investments into, into solar hydro i'm not saying we shouldn't use that stuff but the reality is and you know the reality it's not always pretty the reality the reality is, oil isn't going anywhere. We need to have energy consumption. You can't just tax us to oblivion, and tell us we're all going to die unless you listen to us.
0: Mm. It's but not going to work. That's uh, that's controversial stuff, Curtis. <laughs> Curtis, be it, careful. It, 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 it,
1: it, but unfortunately, that kind of is, dude. We clipped that, put that
0: on on Instagram. That's going to get you'll get oh. whoa, big time. Which but, is, but, which but, is a shame. But you're saying the truth. Everything you said right there. I believe, a million percent into it. And the problem is this, and that's maybe another reality. In Canada, we live in la-la land, yeah, all right? Yeah. We, we, we rather be told a pretty lie than the harsh truth. Yeah. That's Canada for you, right? We were talking, what's a typical can- Canadian? that's a typical Canadian. So, look, we're in a world of hurt right now. It won't be easy. Sacrifices are going to have to be made, and people are going to have to suffer a little bit. But if we keep kicking that can down the road, we're in for a blow up like it ain't going to be good and we're going to be broke and our quality of life is going to go down and that's not what you want and
1: and to add this but people need to understand so the socialists or people that are like well you know it's just corporations that want to come in and make a bunch of money which you know of course they want to make money that's how capitalism works Mm -hmm. they don't understand that eventually like you just said, the money will run out. If there's no more money, we can't have all these social programs anymore. Like nope. you gotta pay for it somehow. But and then their is answers just will tax the rich more. They'll yeah. be gone by then. They'll be gone. They'll right. be gone because they can't make anything here. There's, there's, they can't be productive in this country. If you scare away the entrepreneurs, they'll just go somewhere else. Yeah. Now and now you have a poor country. How do you think there's rich countries and poor countries? Like you have to have a productive country in order to. If, if you wanna have a social program or a welfare program, you need to tax the private sector. Mm-hmm. The public sector takes from the private, I know you know this, I'm just talking for people that are listening. So it's like the private sector, sac- the, the public sector, AKA the government, they don't produce anything. Therefore they need to take, they need to take from the private sector. If there's, no, if there's nothing to take from the private sector, then you can't invest in the public sector.
0: Just print money, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just print money. Yeah, just print more money. <laughs> just print money. Uh. What you mentioned is super interesting. It's also another big awakening I had. I went to Alberta. I was 21 years old. Mm. And I get there. And I look at my first paycheck, right? Being used to Quebec, right? And I look. I'm like, oh, God. First thing I noticed, federal tax higher than provincial tax. I was like, what the hell? Because I was was used to whole, like, provincial taxes way more than federal tax. And that's when I realized. At the time, because the NDP won at one point and changed everything. Uh, But at the time. back to conservative now. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. But... (laughs) It used to be, not saying I vote for them, but <laughs> uh, it used to be a flat 10%. Okay. And you know, that's another thing, too. We talk a lot, Canadians, we talk a lot about equality, right? Equality yeah. between sexes, gender, um, freaking race, diversity, diversity everything. Oh, stuff, yeah. You know, very important. What's your score, by the way? What's your, uh, your DI uh, score? I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. Someone
1: uh, actually called, someone called me for that once. No way.
0: Was it BlackRock? <laughs> was, it, was it Larry Fink?
1: No, it was a, this lady, and she said, If you get this, I have to pay. It's basically you pay to say you're diverse. Mm. And I went to You got uh, a sticker? You put, you put it, you know, equality? Yeah, we have a diverse organization, and mm. I don't need a sticker to pay you. I think it was $10,000 on top of that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Companies have pay you, for that.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had the OQLF up your ass? No. No? That happened to us. You know, we had to sign. A bit like you. Yours is much bigger, by the way. Yeah. Really cool. Ours is in French. Yeah, at least. Cabinet d'assurance. Assurance. Uh, that's yep. important, right? Yeah. yeah. Our trademark BizBizShare was the name on our office, right? Yeah. And we had the OQLF come in, says, you know, it's not written in English, yeah, you know, in French. I'm like, down I'm little like little yeah, little. but it's a trademark, yeah. right? They're like, okay, well then you need a um, explicatif en français, so like les entreprises BizBiz, yeah. or uh, BizBizShare technology, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. You guys see, you know, I told them to fuck off, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Screw that. We don't have an office anymore. Come see us. Uh, (laughs) Don't, please. I have enough lawsuits up my house now. But jokes aside, um, (coughs) we were talking about um, uh, social programs and um, the point about, yeah, the the tax rate in Alberta. So it's it's a flat 10%, right? So we talk about equality, 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 but what about equality of, 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 you know, with regards to the job you choose, the education you have, the risk you've taken, the success you may have had. Why is it that some people who've made certain life choices have to pay more for the people who haven't? Imagine I came up to you and this will get me canceled for errors, but I don't care. So, you know, I got nothing to lose anyways. I'm not special, but yeah. So imagine if I went up to a girl and said, you know, you're going to pay more taxes because you're a woman. Huh. Or I went up to a, you know, a, a, an Indian guy and said, "You're going to pay more taxes because you're Indian." Mm-hmm. We'd be up in arms, and rightfully so. By yeah, the way of course, Okay, yeah, that's yeah. it's horrible. But why do we say you've t- made some life choices, whether it be study more, take more risks, invest, work hard, whatever? You made you produce value in society, and you've been rewarded. Why do you pay more taxes? And that's why I liked Alberta at a time. It was flat 10. percent You make hundred a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's ten. Ten percent. You make ten thousand dollars a year. Ten percent. We all bleed equally and provide what we can equally for society, right? For those social programs hey, I can get behind that. But saying that the harder you work, the more risk you take, the more you pay, you get penalized. Come on, man, that does not promote. And that's not a good incentive. Another reason why governments don't work. Have you ever heard of the the third party buyer system? No. So that's an interesting kind of thought experiment is that there's three types of, of buyers in the world, right? And it's one of the reasons why the government and its programs never work. And I mean, never work. So let's start with the first party buyer. So let's say you need a computer, right? For your job. Uh, But you're the one who's going to pay for it. And you're the one who's going to use it, you're going to be very sensitive to two things, the quality of that computer, you want to make sure it does what you need it to do. And to the price, you're not going to want to get screwed over, you're going to make, you're going to make sure you get the best possible price for what you need. First party buyer, very efficient. There's a second party buyer system, that's like, okay, you need a computer for work, but your employer, your company is going to pay for it, right? So you're still very sensitive to it doing what you need it to. But not to the price. But not to the price. Mm. You won't negotiate as much. You won't look for that kind of like special deal. Mm-hmm. You don't care if you overpay a little bit. It's not the end of the world. Well, it's not your money. It's not your money. Yeah. And then you have the third party system, which is what governments are. It's when they don't even use the system and they don't even pay for the system. So they're not sensitive to it working at all or being efficient or doing what it needs to do. They're and
1: sensitive to the point where it
0: will cost them votes. It's always about votes. Yeah. Always going to be about yep. votes. But votes, it's PR, man. I'm sorry, but the, uh, the, progr- the program agree. cannot work and can be a complete cost overrun. I mean, the amount of, like, the RAM like, it freaking opens up and doesn't even work, you know, and it's, like, three years delayed and yeah. billions of dollars over budget. People are still happy because it, it's good. It's nice. Yeah. It's, you know, votes.
1: I feel like it's, it's you know, people like you and me, I shit, I'm i guilty of this myself. I shit on government too much. And, you know, there's there's a lot of reason to shit on government. But I think if we if they were to sit at the table like i think ultimately there's a guy who's actually going to come on the podcast um i think in two or three weeks jeff kelly jeffrey kelly yeah yeah politician uh, right uh yeah, he, he uh, yeah for here for liberal writing yeah yeah, for, yeah he's a really nice guy i'm i'm really looking forward to to speaking
0: with him i bumped into him on um remembrance day actually he was at a um a ceremony okay. if when you have him okay tell him he waved at me. He looked at me. and gave me a little <laughs> wink. I don't. I don't think he knew who I was. I was like, "Hey, dude, the guy." Anyways, I was like, "But the point
1: I was just going to try and make is like a guy like that, he he does want to. Well, I'm going to guess, but a guy like that, I think deep down inside, deep down inside, does want to serve society. I think he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are a lot of politicians who want to as well. There's obviously politicians who are there for other motives and perhaps want power, this or that, whatever the hell it is, but." I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. So I remember once, probably uh, this is when we first started. And I took some data. And it was from the Fraser Institute. And the mm-hmm. Fraser Institute, I didn't even know this at the time. I was just trying to find like actual facts and stuff like that. And they made a statement. And they said, uh, 88% of all the new jobs created since February 2020 up until this is so, the beginning of 2023, 88% are federal, gov- or federal, provincial, or municipal jobs, stuff like that. I think it was a little bit exaggerated. And about three, four months later, a bank came out, but it was still a really high number. I think it was the National Bank, and he's one of the big Canadian banks, and said it was 55% of all the new jobs created were government jobs, which is still insane. That's so, wild. It's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. And I have nothing against government jobs. I have a problem with government jobs. <laughs> I, do. <laughs> I well, do. But it's like I have a problem with government jobs when, when they're not adding to productivity because it's just going to suck resources out from the private sector. So it's like, so here, the, the data that I took from today, from Deloitte, and I think Deloitte's a pretty center, it's not a Republican, it's not Democrat, it's not liberal, it's not conservative. It's mm-hmm. pretty objective, I would like to think. You'll still have people say, Deloitte's this, Deloitte's that, and those are wrong numbers because you always have people argue with the facts, but whatever. So um, here's one of the statements they said. So Canada has a competitive competitiveness challenge. In January 2019, Deloitte published Canada's competitive Competitiveness scorecard in which we studied over 500 m- metrics to characterize the Canadian economy relative to its peers. Our conclusion was that while Canada has some core advantages, such as a globally competitive workforce and a strong domestic macroeconomic fundamentals, it also faces competitive headwinds on a number of fronts, particularly innovation. We talked about that. Taxation. Talked about that. Regulation. Talked about that. That diminish Canadian competitiveness at home and abroad. So, and it just goes on to say so here. World Bank, pretty in the middle, pretty objective source. I would like to think Canada has fallen from fourth position in the world for ease of doing business all the way to twenty second, and this is in twenty in two thousand and eighteen. Oh God, it's worse. I wonder what it is today in two thousand twenty three. It's going to be way worse than that. Um, Regulatory burden. There is abundant evidence that the business community sees Canada's regulatory burden as creating a competitiveness disadvantage. Absolutely, I agree with that. Yeah. Canada ranked 63rd in the world. This is a this is one that drives everyone crazy and it's gotten worse since this data was taken as well. We rank 63rd in the world for obtaining construction permits. <laughs> It takes 249 days to get a permit for a warehouse. That's the average. Just to put other countries into perspective, the average is 168 days in the U.S. Um, Anyways, I I can go on and on and on. And you made this point a little bit earlier as well. So there are huge uh, regulatory barriers to foreign direct investment, to FDI. If if a country, so number one, so the, the capital expenditures, the investments into you know, uh, manufacturing plants into just stuff that can build other stuff, it's not good at all in Canada. So, well, if we want to make things, we want to invest into the economy, if we're not going to do it ourselves, we have to get foreign direct investment. We have to get outside investors to come in and direct and to uh, to invest into the country. If the the rules of the game are too complicated for them to come in, they're going to go, forget this, I'm just going to go somewhere else. And so, in terms of sector-specific restrictiveness, in 2018, Canada's FDI, restri- there there's restrictions in fisheries, you mentioned, manufacturing, you mentioned, oil refinement, chemicals, banking, transportation, media, forget media, you can't, I don't know how you invest in that, um, they were all found to be higher than the OECD average, OECD for the, the viewers or listeners, it's basically like all the developed nations, more or less, I won't name every nation that's in it, but that's pretty much it. So... Uh, We can talk about more of the, the the, the data after, but actually here, this is just the last point I'll say from Deloitte. When all of these issues are taken together, Canada's investment attractiveness is diminished. Investment in Canada must be funded through domestic savings or inflows of foreign capital, and the country is reliant on foreign investment as there is inadequate domestic savings to meet the needs of the economy. So we, we have a problem on our hands here. A little one, eh? And do you have any comments about some of the points? I know it's kind of just reading off a couple of data points, but it's pretty obvious that it's become very difficult to – more difficult than it should be to conduct business here. We have issues of – in many instances, in many industries, you'll have to deal with not only like one – you'll have to deal with three levels of government. You'll have to deal with the municipal government. Yeah. You'll have to deal with the provincial government. Mm-hmm. You'll have to deal with the federal government. And in some industries, they all have different rules and they all apply the rules in a different way. Sometimes there's regulations that overlap. Sometimes there's you have to pay each one of them.
0: I can go on for days about this, but... You're being... Uh, it's pretty, <laughs> you're on fire now, yeah? You're right. 100% what you're saying.
1: And it, it is... I'm sorry about, Sorry, I'm not sorry, but... Uh, sorry, I'm not sorry, sorry. I just that, saying, that's, sorry. that's very Canadian, but, right? Yeah, it is Canadian. I try not to say sorry because it's stupid. Sorry, But... I'm talking about this because this has become an issue. Mm -hmm. It's an issue and I'm not going to be bullied by people who say you're just a rich capitalist entrepreneur who wants to make the most money possible. We don't need deregulation. We need more regulation. Well, Deloitte, the World Bank, OECD, which are pretty freaking objective points, uh, objective sources in the world are saying, look. Well, whatever your opinion is, it doesn't really matter what your opinion is. These are the facts. Canada, in comparison to other developed nations, is more difficult to invest in. No one wants to come invest here. And if people don't want to come invest here, we're not going to be able to produce things. Our GDP is going to go down. If our GDP goes down, we don't have enough money to fund social programs, to fund welfare, to fund education, to fund hospitals. Not good for the country. And don't come at me with, well, just tax rich more. Shut the fuck up. You need to understand this.
0: Competition is good. It goes back to competition. Competition is good. Deregulation is the way to go. You know, people love to travel now, right? Yep. And they love to shop for their deals, their plane deals, their low-budget ticket. That's only possible thanks to deregulation. They could have gone 40 years back and realized that, guess what? It was a regulated market. You wanted to fly cross country. The price was set by the government and it was steep. Mm. Another, hey, nobody in Canada loves to pay $100 a month for their phone bill, right? <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes that. No. And sure, granted, small population, big territory. Yes, sure. there's there's some issues there. Sure. But you also have an oligopoly in place, mm-hmm. right? Deregulate it. And there was a point, was it Verizon a few years ago that wanted to come Sorry, to the Canada?
1: The CRTC didn't let them in.
0: There you go. Yeah. Competition is healthy. Yeah. So yeah, of course, regulatory regulatory uh, barriers burden burden destroys Canada's competitiveness. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that. By the way, Uh, take a small business owner. Right? Okay, sure. Big business they have departments that take care of everything. But take the regular, the heart of the economy. By the way, is the SME. A yeah. small to medium enterprise. Yes. It's the guy with five employees or three guys, okay, working yep. in a shop, uh, welding, freaking, uh, I don't know, uh, raking leaves for, for all I care, right? It doesn't matter what you do. It's a small guy. Most people don't know that at least a minimum one to two day a month, this entrepreneur is working for the government. He's filing his uh, GST, QST filings, mm-hmm. right? Whether they're monthly or quarterly. Uh, he's going to have to file his yearly income tax. Mm-hmm. The CNASSD wants reports as well, mm-hmm. right? All these little, it, like little paper cuts, you mm-hmm. right? Doing one thing is fine, but imagine one day a month. Let's go with one day a month, right? It's 12 days a year that you're working for free for the government. Those 12 days. You could have been productive, mm-hmm. right? Another thing that blows that, my mind.
1: That's what these guys were basically saying. There so you it's go. Like, and we're not arguing. I don't think you're arguing for this either. We're not arguing for there should be no regulation. There needs to be a certain amount of regulation. Yeah. I agree. But in industries like what you just said, in telecom, more and more in insurance, in grocery food chains, there, it's become uh, its an oligopoly. It's—it's it's, They own the market through banks, they own the market through regulatory capture. You can't even get into the market. Yeah. And these companies want that. And people need to understand this. Mm. And so when you throw all these new regulations and line after line and and, and just more work for the small guy, the small SME with five employees or 10 employees, he doesn't have the budget that McDonald's has, for example, to deal with this. Mm And you're gonna put them out of business.
0: And that's what they try to do. That's a good way to get rid of competition. Yes. Huge.
1: And this is why so it's like the 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 data is so clear. The standard of living, people are upset in Canada, people can't afford the mortgages. Um they're not we're not making as much money, nearly as much money per capita as the US is. We're less productive than the US and the average OECD country. There is an issue here. And you know, I, I just want people to wake up to it. I want to talk about this to try and fix it because it's not, it's, it's, I'm tired of people just saying, well, it's just the greedy corporation. There are greedy corporations, of course. There are. There are. But the, the, the problem, and I think we agree on this, oh, a yeah. way to solve this is to allow more competition. Let yep. the little guys come in. Let them That's be free. Right. Let That's them right. come in, work, innovate, and add to too, productivity.
0: So there's two things that really need to be done. First of all, we all agree crony capitalism, horrible. I'm a huge capitalist and I think so are you. I right? am, yes, yeah. I hate crony capitalism, yes. okay? It's, it's corrupted, it's disgusting. It's just yeah. as bad as freaking communism in my eyes, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want that. So there needs to be some government oversight, not against it. As a matter of fact, antitrust laws need to be used a heck of a lot more. There are some companies right now that are just too big. They've through acquisition, through M&As, have grown to a point of near monopolies. And mm-hmm. they've you know, and then after that, they lobby the government, right? For more regulation to protect themselves from any outsiders, break them down. Right? The US did that with like standard oil back in the day as well. You know, mm-hmm. to give you an idea, that's one of the biggest. But still, social media companies, telecom companies, there's so many companies, break them down. Let competition flourish. Right now we're like at the end game of mergers and we're at a point where it's just a big um, clusterfuck. It is a clusterfuck. <laughs> that's what it is. It's a shit show. A shit show of acquisitions. And yeah. the little guy now does not have the competitive landscape anymore to do anything. Yes. And that's bad for the consumer. It's bad for everyone because yes, again, it hurts
1: everyone at the end of the does. day. And the other thing too, like at least in the U.S., there's and again, there's pros and cons to banking systems. At least in the U.S., there are you know I think there's three thousand or four thousand banks in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You can get loans from uh, within reason, but it. You're much more likely for starting a business yeah. to be able to get a loan from a bank here mm-hmm. in Canada.
0: You're starting a business. Good luck. Forget it. The BDC may help Forget you, it, but even maybe. then, I mean, we've raised maybe. money from the BDC, maybe. okay, and we were yes. we were generating income, and even then, they wanted the freaking cash flow projections and all that stuff, yeah. and they were like uh, hesitant, and I'm like, dude, yeah. and that's a loan that I've you know guaranteed myself. Yeah, it's like your your entire premise as the BDC is to support those small companies, right? Yeah. It's to invest in Canadian innovation and Canadian entrepreneurship. And even then we don't do that. And you're right in the U S since there's more banks, there's more competition there's more options. Exactly. exactly. Yes. The little credit union may want to, you know what? Say, screw it. We want to take more risk because we need to, our risk tolerance and our clients deposit, whatever the hell it is. This is our business model. We take more risk. We yep. want to invest again. Diversity is, diversity is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. As long as it's a competitive diversity, that's what mm-hmm. we want. So yeah, it's, it's another big step in Canada to solve the issue. It's a multifaceted problem, obviously, our economy right now. Uh, we've had the same government now for a very long time. It's not working. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. not promoting any party here, just a different party, because at this point it ain't working. I think they're laughing. Well, at the, us.
1: the polls are saying that too. I mean, the it, they're, the liberals are way down in the polls.
0: They are, but um, the problem is this: to our, our voting system. Without getting too deep into it, you know, it's it's one that favors a specific party. You know, first yeah. past the uh, the post, right? And the way our writings are divided, it makes it so that even though a party can have a majority, or at least a majority of the votes, they still end up with less seats in in, in Parliament. I mean, we saw... Was it the... um, I think it was the the provincial election, you know? Uh, The Quebec Conservative Party, I had more votes than, like, Parti Québécois and, like, all these... Not Parti Québécois, but, like, uh, what was it? It was the NDP or whatever there was a couple other parties that had more votes but ended up with zero seats I didn't important. know this I didn't know this yeah oh. yeah and just by so, virtue so they
1: had more of the popular vote they than had more than of the popular seats. I didn't zero know seats I guess and most of it probably came around from uh, Montreal and probably Quebec City it, right? exactly yeah. right yeah. so
0: and yeah. I think you know it's too bad we say democracy is important and, and sure I agree but there needs to be something to be done and by the way that was a liberal but there's, no,
1: there's no perfect system though either there isn't because no, then sometimes no, if no. you get a riding and then what about the guys that live in the boonies with a exactly. population of uh, 5,000 hey, exactly. like it's their
0: vote wouldn't count. Yeah.
1: So there's there's always a trade-off. You know, there's so always
0: like, and there's no perfect system, right? Yeah. But and that's an interesting thing that the Liberal of Canada, the federal party, uh, their first election, their and not their entire platform, but a big part of their platform was voting reform. They yeah. were going to change the voting system <laughs> to a proportional voting system. Yeah, yeah. But that wouldn't benefit them. I don't way, think so. that will. Have, that, that will never that happen.
1: Will, that won't happen in our lifetime. I don't. Think. No way. No way. No, no way. No way. No. So instead of just sitting here and, and, you know, yeah, we're we're, we're complaining (laughs) and all that stuff and we're complaining and we're being how how do we actually, though, I've thought a lot about this. Mm -hmm. How the hell do we actually get change to take place? Like, where would we
0: start? All right. First and foremost, and this is not uh, pretty, but cut the public sector. Um, 25 percent in Quebec, at least 25 percent of the workforce or taxpayers are employed directly by the public sector or at arm's length of the public sector direct or indirect 25 once again your biggest employer cannot be the government because mm. how did this government pay for these employees through taxation it becomes a vicious cycle all right probably shouldn't say this but i had the chance to meet at the time with the, the um the chief of staff of the minister of transport of quebec at the time uh, minister Bonardel. i met him in quebec city that guy is uh, last name i won't say for his own um protection i guess Meeting him, I, I met him with uh, our, our CTO, and it was uh, about proposing a project, a marketplace for the Ministry of Transport to manage all of their construction, uh, all their uh, their infrastructure, yeah, their infrastructure yeah. projects, right? Yeah. Because they have hundreds of contractors, and we're like, there's a lot of inefficiencies there. So we'll for develop sure. a marketplace, yeah. our platform, call it what you want, that allows all the contractors to put up their excess inventory and their. Uh, surplus resources so that other contractors can use it so that the worksite is more efficient and the guy at the time listened to our pitch and he said that's a wonderful idea i love it it will never happen and i was like okay thanks why he's like i come from the private sector i was brought on because my good friend is the minister of transport and when he got elected he said i want you to come in and help me shake up the ministry we're going to do stuff together I'm not a public servant, never been, never wanted to work in a public sector, but now I joined because I wanted to make a change. It's like, do you know how many people work for the Ministry of Transport? And I'm like, no, no idea. Don't quote me on a number, but he said like 6,500. Out of those 6,500, how many are political positions, meaning voted in? I'm like, I don't know, it's like 20. It's like, nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. He was almost talking a bit, without saying the deep state, but like a, an establishment of sorts, right? That no matter which government's in place, ain't gonna move. That's not gonna... They don't have an incentive for things to move. Mm. Their jobs are guaranteed, unionized and whatnot. And that's another story too. Don't get me started about unions. You know, I think they served a great purpose 100 years ago because, yes, the worker was being completely... Well, slapped around, yeah. They were being used. Yeah. But today they've grown into this, this, this monstrosity, right? Mm. It's disgusting. But anyways, and when he told me this, he was pretty much telling me, yeah, it's corrupted. And this guy... He was so done with it. And as a matter of fact, he ended up leaving uh, not too long afterwards. And he realized, I can't make a difference. So that's going to be very hard in Canada and in Quebec to make a difference. But first, slash uh, public sector. Okay. Not because I don't. What if we, what if you just did this though? Yeah.
1: Instead of just, because I thought about that too. And just the reality is like, if you were to slash it, but no politicians are going to do that because they won't it's get. suicide. Re- they won't. Yeah, it's suicide. It's political suicide. Yes. It's going to take a long time. I, I think we got like a 10-year road ahead of us to actually get back 10 year plus a whole generation. Re- yeah if we really want to it's get a whole back generation to thing being a productive country, and I'm not convinced we will to be honest, I'm not convinced. I, I hope I'm wrong. I think one way to do it would be to as a po- you can't slash jobs what we well, can't You just won't get reelected. It's political suicide, like you said. Just don't replace all the people that are retiring. there's a lot of baby boomers that are getting out like just stop hiring hiring freeze just stop that's we that's have enough public, public servants yeah. let's just stop let's see what we're at in a year and then over like a ten year bleed
0: yeah that's that's a that's a great solution honestly and that's like a very well reasoned balanced solution you're not affecting anyone's jobs today yes but you're
1: and I'm not trying to shit on like public servants there are there are there are public um i gotta be careful we have an office in Ottawa and it's just, just like there, there are people... There is a purpose to the government. I'm not saying... Like, 100 we Like, we, no government jobs. I'm not oh, saying yeah. that. We're not anarchists but, here. But no. That's what not what we want. But it, it it's currently very... The public sector will never run as efficiently as the private sector. That's just a fact. But it's really bad now. It's gone, like, to the opposite extreme. And something needs to be done before our standard of living really starts to drop. Mm-hmm. And it's going to. It is. And it's it already, already is. It's it's already. It already is. And it's going to continue oh, on yeah. this path. So we need to do something.
0: And something needs to be done. ASAP on top of that. So I think that your, your, your first recommendation is an amazing one. And I think that will really start helping a lot on the expenditure side of things, but also about uh, the inefficiencies. When you have too many people, it's like it's, it's a bystander effect as well, yeah. right? We, we just in case they don't know, uh, the more people you have around an issue, the less likely people are to uh, tackle that issue, right? Yeah. If, 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 if someone's on the ground having a heart attack and there's 20 other people, you're going to look and wait for someone else to do something, right? Yeah. Whereas if you're alone with that person, you're more likely to get involved. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and this is why, by the way, if something ever something bad ever happens to you, you need help, single someone out. You help me. Oh, yeah. Because if you just say help, 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 the bystander effect kicks in, Mm -hmm. especially if there's a lot of people around you. But um, then number two, look, we have the low-hanging fruits of our natural resources. Let's start exploiting them with a roadmap and a plan to eventually phase it out because, okay, we want green, whatever. Sure. Let's use that initially to rebuild the country. And we do have a lot. And it can be done, by the way, in a sustainable way. But even then, it could be, we, we give it a 50- or 60-year kind of roadmap. And then, obviously, we invest heavily with the gains of that into more information technology. You know, our banking system is not – our banking s- se- sector is not a bad one. No. By the way. We, we have decent It's not bank. broken. Like, or it's it's not, just, it's, no, it's, it's not.
1: I wish there was more competition, but it is what it is. It works. Yeah. Like it's, it's or maybe not. give
0: more charter or Schedule 1 uh, charters to, to more banks. Because right now, yeah. I think there's, what, the six, the big six? I think with Desjardins and a couple other... Yeah, but that's a credit requests. union. ...true. Six, yes. There's Call like six. five, six, yeah. maybe seven, right? Yeah. Again, you could... There's a few, like, Schedule two, three, four banks that could be given a Schedule 1 to give more competition, you yeah. know, if they want. I don't know how it works. I'm not an expert on the banking system, yeah, to be either. honest. Yeah. But, all right, so then we explore the natural resources. Um, water is huge. Electricity, that's another thing. to electricity, right? I mean, Quebec sells its electricity considerably more to the U.S. Or, sorry, less to the U.S. than you do in Quebec. Right? You may say, yeah, it's to be competitive. Even even if we sell it the same that we sell to our own residents, it's still <laughs> considerably cheaper than the electricity produced in the US. So there's that too. There's a lot of, you know, and people don't like to say this about Canada. It's controversial. There's there's corruption, man. There is corruption. Yeah. And, and there well, there's is corruption in any country. There's you corruption can, in every you can't country. Get, you
1: can't get rid of corruption.
0: Yeah. You yes and no. Sure, look, the human men will be men, right? Humans will be human. In French, they say there's always going to be issues and people are corruptible, right? Power corrupts all, sure. But I mean, Canada promised this. We do, we put a blindfold. We're like, yeah, oh, we're Canada, we're developed. Of course, there's no corruption. Are you freaking kidding? Mm. There is. So we have to at least try to tackle it a little bit as well. Why? Because all these inefficiencies happen as well due to that corruption. So now we're at like three steps. Cut down the, uh, the public sector over time. Just stop
1: hiring. Stop hiring freeze. Hiring freeze.
0: Yeah. Invest in what we already have: our natural resources, in state of the art, all right, with perfect land reclamation. If it's oil sand, with you know, investing and using that money to maybe invest in renewables, whatever. Invest in other sectors of the economy. That's number two. Number three, we got to tackle corruption. We just have to, right? Um, So already there, that's a good thing. Number four, it's maybe education as well. You know, education is everything in life. And right now, we're being told. Um, You know, again, people like to invest in real estate. Sure, it's a good asset class, but it's not the be all end all. Um, People are being told, you know, go to university. It's the best thing you can do with your life, right? You know, there's a lot of trades out there that are quite important. Mm. They pay big time.
1: I see where you're going with this. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. Trades, education. Trades,
0: education. Huge. Take, uh, I mean, I saw that stats as well. You know, the average age of a construction worker now is well into the 40s, if not the 50s, when a few years ago it was in the 30s. People? How do you get an RBQ permit? God, I don't know, dude. Who do you have? Who do you have to pay? Who do you have? Who do you have to pay? You got to pay
1: someone. Yeah. Um, I know in Ontario because we insure tradespeople in Ontario. The, yeah. the process is a lot. Um, you don't need like a specific permit um, here. If you're doing, for example, if you're a general contractor, mm-hmm. you absolutely need that RBQ license. You don't have the license, like yeah. they will, they'll hunt you down and they'll kill you. No, but they, they, that it's, there's severe consequences. consequences but reg-
0: regulation too, and you bring a point that just it dawned upon me. But that's it's, me.
1: it's owned by the, That's not going to change because it's owned
0: by the unions and they have a lot of power and a lot of money and a lot of vote, they have a lot of influence and votes. So that's what again it goes back to the corruption. I'm sorry to say, but that's to me corruption. I, I yeah. I but agree. take the RBQ right. Yeah. And I don't know again the number exactly, but how many job types called the Mitzi in French is there in Quebec? 30 like 30, exactly 40, huge yeah, and someone crazy. for example right an electrician cannot and I mean cannot touch anything to no. do with anything else Nothing. so the second let's say like I don't know they're just plaster that needs to be uh, freaking put on a wall sorry can't yeah I need to get someone for that yeah. you look at Ontario not too far away right I think there's like six or eight titles so like people can touch several things they're qualified to do so yeah and already there less inefficiency yeah right so again that's regulation that's regulatory bs yeah that just complicates everything and that would probably help the housing crisis as well down the line
1: but yeah yeah because the cost to build a house it's absolutely ridiculous how Huge. much it costs to build a house insane
0: <laughs> i mean you would know right you insure you insure property well, a, so.
1: people don't know this like for about um one-third 34 percent of building a new unit of housing today is in taxes the general contractor has to pay the tax and they're just going to pass it on to the the person who's buying it. And the same thing, by the way, goes for rent. So if you, like, for example, there's my girlfriend lives in Lachine. It's a new building. The company is Reliance. They just built it. Beautiful building. Good job. I have no idea how much it costs them, but I do know that it's 33% of their cost to build that is going to be in tax. They they need to make a profit on this project. Mm-hmm. So if, let's just say it's $100 million. So they spent $33 million on taxes. Well, guess it's going to pay that. The tenants were going there It's a 100% rental The tenants are 33% of their rent Is being paid in tax Yeah That's tax It's an indirect tax 100% People don't like They don't get that So people go tax more It's like buddy You're getting fucking taxed To the the yin yang too People go What do you mean? Well, same Dude.
0: with companies, right? Tax companies more. Corporate tax. It's going to go down to you. It just gets passed on to it the consumer. It gets passed down always. Yes. Always. They control the price. Yes. And guess what? I mean, all entrepreneurs are going to do the exact same thing. What happens? You got to make a go. profit.
1: You have to. We don't have, a, we don't have a business unless we have a profit. There
0: there you go. You like know? A, it it's not a charity. Work. Life it, life is not a charity. Life, yeah. again, is competitive. Like it or not. Look, you can say, let's go back to how it was. A thousand years ago, you still have to get up in the morning and go hunt your food and yeah. build your shelter, right? Yeah. If you don't do and you have something, animals trying to kill you. There or you go. Have, whatever, right? You know, there's always you, something. You have to, you have to do something to survive. Period. Life
1: right? is a. One guy said this to me once, and mm-hmm. at, at its at its rawest form, right? Life is a competition for scarce resources. That's like the hunter-gatherer yeah. gatherer days. That's that's 100%. what it is. We don't have to hunt for our food anymore, but we're still competing for influence. We're still competing for. A lot of, th- I, I, for I t- resources. I, I, yeah.
0: Resources and power. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, that's, I totally agree with that yeah. statement. Yeah. Who said that? I don't know who said no.
0: that. Wise man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: wise man. Elliot, I think this is a good place to leave. <laughs> it. All, right, all right. All right. Elliot, I really appreciate your, uh, your time today. So once again, Elliot biz,
0: biz share. Yeah. Any last plugs you want to, want to put? For your business? You know, and that's the thing, right? Um, we're B2B, so I'm not going to market to consumers. But honestly, if you are uh, a group or an organization and you want to improve the efficiency of your assets, go to businessshare.com. Simple as that. I'm Curtis Killen. This is the Freemium Podcast. Thanks for joining
1: us. Thanks, bud. Yeah, thanks a lot, Teha.